my name is Terry Hines. I want to welcome you, welcome you to my neighborhood. More about that in a little bit. But uh, I want to introduce Lindsay Obermeyer. Lindsay's going to kind of give an introduction of what we're doing here. And then uh, hopefully by the end of the time that you're out here, all this will make sense to you. If you don't, I really want you to ask some questions, but we'll see what happens. So here you go. Alright, so we work with the wheat curl mite and it transmits three different viruses to wheat. I think I might be more familiar with the viruses. So that would be wheat streak mosaic virus, surgical mosaic virus, and high plains wheat mosaic virus. So in 2017, we saw a lot of damage um, with the viruses that occurred. And I'm going to take you through like kind of the sequential steps of how that uh, year turned out. So not very good for wheat street. So as the wheat is maturing, so as it's approaching harvest, the mites are um, increasing in numbers. And just as the mites are increasing in numbers, a hailstorm can occur. So we had hail in 2016, and just at that point, the mites are at their maximum, maximum um, population. So we have the hail that's destroying the wheat, and this is going to um, shatter the grain onto the ground. So this creates free harvest volunteer wheat. So this volunteer wheat is then going to be infested with the wheat crawl mite as it drops to the ground. So it has a nice, perfect host to continue the life cycle. But in addition to just the hail event, we also had the long, warm, extended fall. Now, this created more time for the mites to continue to build up in that volunteer wheat and then be dispersed in other uh, wheat in the neighboring fields, as you'll just see in a few minutes. So to make the perfect disease cycle, we have the host, which is the volunteer wheat, the pathogen, which is the virus that is, when we have volunteer wheat, we have the, basically are going to have the virus with the wheat, and you also had this warm, long, extended fall. So this created the perfect storm to create a, a great uh, challenge for Wheat Street last year. But how does this mite move? This mite continuously moves and it needs a, another host. And this is where we want to talk about the green bridge. The green bridge is the time between wheat harvest and then when we plant the new wheat. So during this time, the mite needs a new host to be able to continue the life cycle to infest your new crop. So we have, obviously, the primarily host is pre-harvest volunteer wheat, but we also have corn. So here we have uh, dryland corns that are drought uh, tolerant are staying green longer, and this is creating an overlapping uh, time. So the green, the corn is remaining green longer, and this is going to coincide of when you're planting your um, new wheat crop. So this is where the mites can be in the corn and then also be dispersed by the wind to your new crop. But in addition, there's other, other weedy hosts that can also be um, served as the host. But primarily we have pre-harvest volunteer wheat, which is the most important host. And it also really depends upon the area, so how large that your field is of that volunteer, as well as the density within density of the of the wheat in that field, and then it, we 
have the density of the weak chrome line. So if the densities, all those densities are higher, you're going to have probably more risk with weak tree mosaic virus. And uh, here we'll see how exactly how these mice travel and understand this neighborhood approach. Thank you, Lindsay. How many of you had weak streak problems last year? Anybody? A few of you? I know there were some hellacious problems north of Chapel, north and east of Chapel. Probably the worst I've seen since 1993. 1993, right in this area of Cheyenne County, I think, what was it, Karen? Uh, uh, 23,000 acres were tilled up because of complete loss of Wheat Street. Um, and I think that was largely contiguous acres, too, all one patch. So what we have, and what, what I've been, since that time, 25 years ago, uh, that 1993 experience was the reason, really, I got started working on Wheat Crew Mine. And uh, I'm sorry to say that in 25 years, I haven't solved it for you. I know a lot more about it than we did then. But uh, one thing that, uh, that I've been trying to think about, and probably the most asked question from farmers uh, and others uh, that wonder about it is, well, what, what's, uh, how far can these mites move? How far do they move? We've done a series of studies through the last number of years to kind of get a handle on that. Uh, we don't have probably everything all figured out, but we do have a better understanding. Uh, we do know uh, we do know that uh, they move by mites, and or movement that mites move by wind. So I wondered about what do we do to uh, to demonstrate kind of how how mites move. And uh, a number of years ago, I did this at a field day. I don't know if anybody was here, but uh, um, I don't know uh, really what uh, uh, what the best way to do it is, but I think it does provide an illustration of, of what's going on with the mites. So that's the situation that we have uh, with uh, with Wheat Street. 
you get an accumulated uh, you get an accumulated uh, um, activity of mites moving on to your original volunteer. Say if this was a field of volunteer in this section, and look at these green lines, basically as section lines. How far does that mite move? Well, if they're moving from this source, the area of greatest risk is the orange line, is the orange circle. Now, if you look at your, if you look at the pictures on your on the handout, on that it's marked red. Within that red circle is the greatest risk from very serious problems from wheat street. Now the next the next line out on the picture is yellow. So within that yellow, there's probably a moderate risk. And then there's a white one. Within that white one, there's probably a, a low to moderate risk. And then maybe outside of that white area, the risk is, is nominal. So that's how you've got to look at the influence of that, uh, of that area, in that uh, the uh, situation is such that mites will move out. And just like the smoke that moved out, if you were standing here, when that thing was smoking, you'd be coughing. You'd probably run away. If you were standing out here, you probably wouldn't be uh, so bad. If you're standing way out here, you probably wouldn't be bothered too much by it. If you had asthma, you probably would want to get out of the way. But again, the further away you get from that, and that's one thing I try to illustrate with the smoke, is that that smoke plume is pretty much the same type of thing that's emanating out away from that source volunteer field. If you're right next to it, the risk is going to be very, very high. Now the size of that source field and the density of mites in that source field will determine how far out that red circle is. If you've got corn, mites don't reproduce quite so much in corn, so we often see just a yellow halo around the corn field. But if you've got volunteer wheat, where the volunteer density is very high and the mite density in that volunteer is very high, that red circle can extend perhaps a mile maybe two miles more out. And again, it all depends on the size of that volunteer source and the density of mites in that source. So the greater that that is, the further out these risk areas are, the sphere of influence, the further out that is uh, from that source. So you've got, you've got your high risk areas, and you've got a low risk area, and then you get outside of that area, you get far enough away, there really is very little risk, but there's still a gradient that's going on. Just like when they, just like when they have the forest fires in Yellowstone or whatever, in Colorado or or Utah or, or Western Wyoming, we smell them in the Panhandle. Does it cause us a whole lot of problems? Probably not, except if you got asthma or something. But uh, we can smell them. So again, the further away you get, the lower the density is. And it's the same with mites. The closer you get to that source, the greater the density. So the highest risk is found right here. Now turn your slide, turn your sheets over. And also, I guess before you do that, look at the other side. You can see that I've got three different circles there. The source is the green, but the sources do vary in size. And notice that if the size of the source varies, the size of those circles, those ovals, vary as well. 
Now, if you turn it over, you can see what happened, say, north of Chapel, where we had a very concentrated area. Section after section had problems with hail. They had problems with volunteer. Not all that volunteer was extremely dense, but there was a whole area of dense areas where there was volunteer. And what happened was that whole area, I estimate that hail streak probably roughly three miles by 10 miles, three miles wide by 10 miles long. That whole area acted as a single mite source and the red area extended beyond that to areas that didn't get an hail that didn't have other problems because the mite density inside that central area was high enough that it spread out. Just like if you had a whole bunch of fires burning inside that area, you go out to the edge of it outside where the fires aren't burning, you're still going to see the effect of the smoke. So again, utilizing that smoke is an illustration for how we think about how mites move.